and welcome to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skyler Sig Daddy Sigman, and this is the WrestleMania 21 review. But before I get into that, I am joined by Tom and Corey from the Stranger Rings podcast. If you don't remember, I was on their podcast here about a week or so ago talking about WrestleMania 19. But uh, thanks for having me on your show, and I'm glad to have you here. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Oh, I'm doing uh, doing all right. You know, this is one of my favorite WrestleManias, so I'm excited to talk about it, and we're happy. I, I'm happy to be here. I'm sure Tom is too, but I don't want to speak for him. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I, I'm very happy to be here. This was a fantastic event. One of my, I was talking about with Skyler when we started the Zoom, one of my top five WrestleManias of all time. Yeah, it's certainly up there with the top five WrestleManias here. Um, I talk about, I just want to get your guys' uh, kind of story about how you guys started the podcast and, uh, when you guys all become wrestling fans? Ooh, uh, let's see. We started the podcast in late 2019. Yes. Um, we had tried some other podcast ideas out before that weren't wrestling related and it never stuck. But then once we found out that we could make, you know, we thought about it, we can make a whole podcast off the funny and ridiculous stuff that happened. It just kind of worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, thought up the stranger rings name the one day like completely random and thought Corey is gonna be like oh that's funny and then say nothing's like i love it and i'm like okay we got a we got a name we got a concept and it just really took off from there and we've been doing it weekly for about what is it maybe 14 15 months now yeah uh that sounds about right but yeah we just cover all the crazy stuff from like Kurt Angle and uh, Charmel and Booker's whole situation. Oh my gosh, yeah. that, that didn't happen too far after this. No, yeah. no, it was uh, it was bad. But we've covered a lot of fun, uh, fun stuff. You know, Joker Sting, like those kind of weird things. Oh, big fan of Joker Sting. Uh, I think that's one of his more underrated characters. I version, loved it. version of his characters, I'll say. Yeah, he he completely committed to the role, and I. Like I, it won me over at first. At first, I wasn't having it, but then I'm like, okay, he's really good at this. Once he brought out the bird and used it <laughs> to hold uh, Eric Bischoff hostage, I think that you couldn't get more over with me than having the bird <laughs> as your bodyguard. Oh my gosh, <sighs> good old Joker Sting! Crazy seeing him uh, doing stuff at age uh, what 61 now or 62? He's like 62 now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he's took a power a bomb from Brian Cage. <laughs> that man like, is, that man is incredible yeah and anybody's about thing. to have a rivalry with i think lance archer they were teasing at least yeah that's see if that would happen in 2017 a it would have been something even now it's even crazier with uh the fact that sting you know he's glass bones and paper skin at this point but he's oh he's God. still he's still going off i uh, loved your spongebob reference there i gotta <laughs> say gotta say but uh <laughs> Let's get into the show. WrestleMania 21 it emanated from Los Angeles, California at the Staples Center, April 3rd, 2005. It's been 16 years since the show. Crazy to think that at this point, but uh, 20,193 20, in attendance, apparently, according to Jim Ross on the, on the show, he said it sold out in about what, under 50 seconds. Wow. Now this, this show had one... They, 
approximately a million eighty-five thousand buys. That's the third highest buy rate in uh, history, behind just WrestleMania twenty-three and WrestleMania twenty-eight. That's number one. Uh, the tagline for this WrestleMania goes Hollywood. And the first thing we see is Lillian singing "America the Beautiful" with a trio of singers, and then we get the USA chant, and then they unveil the curtain for the WrestleMania Goes Hollywood set. I honestly think this is a really good uh, setup for the stage and the ramp. It feels like a movie production almost. Yeah, and the really cool thing too was the uh, marquees that they had where it was like now showing, like then it would show like the match title and everything. Like I really clever. Yeah, I was a, I was a big fan of the marquee too. I was going to bring that up. Um and I, I love the buildup for this with all the movie uh, spoofs and the promos. So that was that was good, too. They really uh, they really gave into the Hollywood gimmick. Yeah. And speaking of that, we get at the beginning, it's a great promo mashing up the all the videos, uh, the movie trailers, mixing those up t- together. But the last one we get is the gladiator spoof with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't think this could have worked for anybody else. The master <laughs> of the middle finger. Chief ass whooper of sorry SOBs, beer drinker among beer drinkers, truster of no one, and I will stop a mud hole in your ass and walk it dry. My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and tonight I unleash hell. Yeah, it's the that was the perfect uh, ending line to start WrestleMania. And then he ends up wearing that T-shirt later in the night, and we get lights, camera, action. Are you ready for WrestleMania? Goes. Hollywood, that's one of the first lines I hear out of Michael Cole's mouth. So I, uh, at least that's not a terrible Michael Coleism, but <laughs> at least it fit in with the uh, actual show. So I'll give him that. Yes, I think we decided on our WrestleMania 20 episode that uh, Michael Cole on SmackDown was like, that was his peak at that point. Like he, he was going off. But um, it, like you said, the Michael Coleisms are... I, I had a few on this show, but that wasn't too bad of a line to start. No, it if, wasn't. If only Michael Cole and Booger McFarland could call a match together. <laughs> oh my gosh. What watch Monday night football? Oh. <laughs> well, with all of his broken fingers, <laughs> he'd be like, he got a three count. That means he has lost the match. <laughs> what is this? Purred happily. <laughs> on parks and rec oh that's the first time i'm pretty sure i referenced parks and rec on this show so love it uh, all right we start out though we start out with a very very hot opener so it's ray mysterio versus eddie guerrero at this point they are smackdown tag team champions and this rivalry would go from now or from this point up through uh SummerSlam, where we get the infamous Custody, custody of Dominic ladder match at SummerSlam. Yes, one of our first episodes that we had was covering that storyline. A great time, wild ride. But here, um, this this is a clean babyface versus babyface match, which is interesting to see in the opening of WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, there's part of me that was like, why didn't they have him defend the tag titles? But this is definitely better than whatever group they put them against the bashams oh gosh we don't need that <laughs> we don't need that but uh but they they uh, gosh i gotta say in this opener they really honestly killed it 
I, I thought they did great. Uh, Eddie, mo- they were quote by Michael Cole was Eddie was trying to prove himself that he can win again at a singles level. Uh, I know Corey does these on, uh, he does these on the Stranger Rings podcast, the Fashion Watch. I got to oh, tell Tom, actually. Tom, I mean, Tom, gosh, man. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I was yeah. like, why did I say I meant Tom? But uh, yeah. But yeah. But, me- we- but he had Mexico on one side and USA on another side of a uh, fire suit. Uh, like a fire suit or a racing suit. Yes, it absolutely a fashion watch that I wrote down as well. Um, it there's a few throughout the night with these mania gears that are complete fashion watches, but the Rey Mysterio one might have been look of the night. And this is also the match. I apologize for that, Tom. On that, I oh you're good. I had a brain fart, but yeah, uh, typ- typical brain fart on my end. But uh, <laughs> but they had a uh, but in this match. If we remember correct, Ray infamously adjusts his mask like 800 times during this, I think. Yeah, yeah. I felt that, bad for him. That's the one thing that distracts from this match, but they do some great stuff. It's Matt wrestling to start. Eddie with a side headlock takedown, working the arm. Uh, Ray lands on his feet after a fireman's carry attempt. Honestly, they got these guys can have this match in their sleep. It's a lot of fast-paced action counter wrestling eddie at one point slingshots ray over the top rope eddie goes for a baseball slide uh ray gets back in the ring ray misses a 619 uh ray with a monkey flip and then a double bridge on their end uh test of strength is a backdrop attempt and then ray lands on his feet great athletic counter wrestling throughout this uh ray monkey flips eddie ray backdrop onto the apron uh then a forearm to ray and this is the turning point where Eddie uh, hits a Pescado to the outside. And these two, yeah, like I, I, I said at the beginning, this, this these guys can literally have this match, could have literally had this match in their sleep. I don't think they can have a bad match, honestly. Yeah, especially Eddie Guerrero doesn't miss ever. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a bad match of his. And thinking about it, I don't think I've ever seen a bad match from Rey Mysterio either. It's hard. It's hard to find bad matches from either two of these guys. But uh, on I, I, one of my notes on this is Taz. He's he's on his game here. Uh, Eddie works a lot of the f- different submission holes, including a surfboard. Uh, Ray counters a deep arm drag to Eddie, and he, he sends him to the outside. We talked about this on the Stranger Rings podcast, but uh, we see Ray hits that rare corks, corkscrew plancha over the top rope, the same one we saw he hit on Matt Hardy at WrestleMania 19. That is an incredible move, and he stopped doing it maybe after this match. <laughs> he's He pulled it off. He probably landed on his knees, and he's like, okay, I'm going to put that one in the bag for a little while. Yeah, it was quite quite uh, incredible because I was like, wow, I didn't think they – I thought, yeah, it's the WrestleMania 19. I'm like, okay, that's the only one. But no, we see it here at WrestleMania 21 as well, and – uh the slate, the story throughout this is uh, kind of at one point. The, the cool little story tidbit here is so Eddie goes for the three amigos once. He hits one and then he hits two. Well, Ray counters it after one. Eddie hits two and then he counters it on the third one. And then eventually Eddie hits all three. And uh, Ray, then Eddie heads up to the top. Ray moves out of the way of the frog splash at literally the last possible second. I don't even know how he like it was the closest call I think I've ever seen on a frog splash where he just literally got out of the way a split second ahead of time. 
Yeah, like I, I can't believe the timing and the trust that those two guys had to have had with each other to be able to move at, in, at that possible second and make it look it literally looked like if it was a real if you're using a frog splash in a real fight, like almost like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I everything Eddie Guerrero does, like he's one of the guys that, you know, I started watching around WrestleMania 1920 and he is just so amazing. And I'm so sad that I didn't get to see more of him. Yeah, because this would be Eddie's last WrestleMania. And uh, late in the match, roll up by Ray. Eddie counters into his own two count. And then a boot to Eddie as he charges in the corner. Drop toe hold. And then Ray hits the 619. Then Eddie is knocked halfway across the ring. Ray goes for the West Coast pop. Eddie Eddie power bombs him hard as hell for a very close near fall. And then Eddie gets a big Eddie chant after that. Back elbow in the corner. Eddie goes for a tilt-whirl backbreaker, a second one of the match, and then Ray catches him with a Hurricane Rana to pin him for the win at 12 minutes and 39 seconds. It's a great what, match. Yeah, Such a good match. match. Especially to open the show, like, they didn't have to... The amazing thing with these guys is they don't have to go 25 minutes to put on a great match. Like you said, it was, what, 12 minutes, 39 seconds, and they packed in all of that action. Never felt dull. And, uh, and certainly... Uh, if you don't like, I think the uh, Halloween Havoc, which is a classic everybody turns to, that wasn't even that long of a match either. No, it wasn't. It was it was kind of short as well. And that was wasn't that I don't know if that was on the same card as uh, I don't know. I have to see what card that was on really quick. Uh, Halloween Havoc 1997. Got to pull up the Wikipedia machine. He wore that iconic purple, too, which was awesome. And then Seth Rollins would end up doing that later. <laughs> Seth mm-hmm. Rollins, his fashion, by the way, is out of control. Yes. He, and I, I think he made it just for us. The, the whole th- gimmick at this point, uh, the drip machine. <laughs> Seth Rollins, drip machine. He had a fire uh, suit on, not a literal fire suit, but a fire <laughs> suit suit with fire on it last night. <laughs> but uh, uh, the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero match at Halloween Havoc 1997 went 13 minutes 51 seconds approximately. That was main evented by Roddy Piper and Hollywood Hogan in a steel cage match. Oh, man. oh that's right. What a complete ends of the spectrum there. <laughs> yeah, it goes from that. And then, yeah, the opener was Chris Jericho. One of the, not what the opener, that was like the third match on the card. The opener for that one was Chris Jericho and Gato. Well, the second match, I mean, was Chris Jericho and Gato. And then Eugene Nagata and Ultimo Dragon was the opener. Ooh, that's, wow. <laughs> those are some fire matches right there to start. Yes, uh, typical WCW stuff as we see there. But uh, honestly, I was going to gave this match an A- because I thought this was a fantastic opener. Probably one of the better ones I'd seen in WrestleMania history. Uh, I like the psychology. And yeah, Ray and Eddie can't have a bad match. Literally, I don't think ever. Yeah, I think I would put it probably B plus, A minus area too. I yeah, I'd probably go with a I'd go with an A minus here as well. I think that it, it was warranted like perfect for the spot that it was, I would say. And, uh, and then they and they both of them were just so smooth. After the match, uh, Eddie shakes Ray's hand, but you can tell Eddie's having a problem. Eddie has a problem with it because he couldn't get the win. You could see he was really disappointed in himself, which just planted the seeds for the story later on. It planted the seeds for when he would go to Dominic's school and tell him stories. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
it's what a storyline who and i think that was like eddie had come up with like a big part of that storyline too um according to Rey mysterio's book i believe very interesting and who would have knew who would have thought that dominic would be wrestling at this point with his dad well with his his uh adopted dad <laughs> well, adopted dad yeah Ray's his adopted dad not yeah. eddie's his actual real dad eddie's your, yes. eddie's his poppy yeah. no it's crazy to think with ray it's like he's because you always see in the wwe don't try this at home video i've had surgery five times in my left knee <laughs> yeah and now at this point i mean whatever treatment that he's been getting for those knees like he's wrestling like it's 1997 again pretty much yeah, he's incredible. Ageless wonder, uh, Rey Mysterio now. And then we get the uh, backstage segment after that. Uh, it's WWE champ with cabinet members, the Bastrams, and Orlando Jordan, U.S. champ. I got to say this right now. Orlando Jordan is U.S. champ. That just I, It's hard to even believe that even happened. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But uh, they run into Nate and the world heavyweight champion in Triple H. And Triple H says, look, Nate, it's the wrestling god. You want to see a wrestling god look no further than Triple H. And then JBL talks about how he's the only champ in history to never lose. And he talks about how he better worry about Dave Batista and losing for the 10th time tonight. And JBL guarantees that John Cena will be taken care of. And then Triple H makes this smart-ass comment of, you keep telling yourself you're good and somebody will eventually believe you. JBL oh. says... I am that good. And then Triple H follows it up. Well, I have to guess what we'll I guess we'll have to wait until the end of the night and to see who's still champion. And then we get Rick wooing at Orlando Jordan, making him jump a mile. <laughs> it was the smile that Ric Flair had on his face looked uh, it was just so perfect. I, I love happy Nate, fired up Nate. He's just a national treasure. Yeah, uh, his match that we covered from WrestleMania 20 in the Evolution versus Rock and Sock, he was on his game there too. So WrestleMania Nate is a good time. It is, <laughs> and certainly it planted this planted seeds for later on in the night, kind of having us. Uh, I guess it. I guess this was so in comparison, to like WrestleMania 19, we had the uh, uh, the Miller Lite girls. This was kind of the story planted that would lead us to the end of the night pretty much of seeing who's going to be champion at the end. And we end up finding out neither of them are champ by the end of the night. Yeah. The right call. <laughs> it's the, the baby face coronation night and very similar. Like it honestly reminded me a little bit of mania 35 in that uh, retrospect, like retrospectively, like just with Seth and Becky and Kofi all getting the belts. And then we got mm -hmm. spoiler alert, the new champions at the end of the night. Yeah. It was that, yeah, I, I could see that as well. And then after uh, we get, after that, we get shown Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider in the crowd. It's WrestleMania goes Hollywood. So we got to have all the celebrities at the show. And I also was able to see if you watch WrestleMania 21, there's a little bit of a Easter egg in a way you'd say. Uh, there was a member of the Black Eyed Peas in the background oh. <laughs> behind really? Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider. Yes, I'm pretty sure it's one of the Black Eyed Peas. That's amazing. Oh. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you kind of have to look a little bit, but it's like he's like right behind Schneider and Sandler. But I think they plant those guys throughout the night difference in that same spot, if I remember right. 
I remember the Adam Sandler shot. Like I remember, I love Adam Sandler too. So I was happy that he was there. <laughs> yeah, me too. And big uh, fan, big fan, Adam Sandler fan. And then we get what is probably the most vicious match of the night, most violent match of the night. It's Money in the Bank, the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match. And if you remember correctly, Chris Jericho was the brainchild of this match. And this match had former world champions all over the place and future world champions in this as well. Uh, ladder match, not ladder match, but Chris Benoit, Jericho, Christian, Kane, Edge, and the only one that ever never won a world championship in this match, current IC champ during this, Shelton Benjamin. This is a stacked lineup. And, and Sheldon should have been world champion at some point, man. He was just for his uh, in-ring work alone. Never say never, man. He's still going. Fingers crossed that I would love to see that happen one day. Oh, me as well. I think, and I, I, I'd say Shelton Benjamin is one of the more underrated guys that's ever been in the company and underutilized as well. I know he's not the greatest talker in the world, but they could have used that. They could have used MVP as a mouthpiece behind him as well. Right, right. It's if it, you book anyone consistently enough with talent, for the most part, they're going to get over. And especially if MVP's talking for you, I mean, that man is a. Uh, he, he, every time he speaks, it's it's gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MVP is is incredible. I saw him at a uh, Evolve show before WrestleMania, and he was just sitting in the crowd, and like. He didn't really get noticed by anybody, so I didn't want to go up to him. But I was like, oh, look, MVP just left TNA, and now he's here. <laughs> he's just chilling. Yep. MVP is the career-reviving man. He will revive any and all careers. But we come out. We get the entrance for the match, The one of the entrants, Chris Benoit. 25 stitches over his right eye. And then we get Christian coming out with the Just Close Your Eyes theme that I think is better than his other one. Yes. Damn, yes. I'm in the minority here. <laughs> you, you like the uh, story of the year version? Yep, I, I'm a big fan of that. I do not. I don't, I just don't dig it as much for some reason. But uh, but we have Christian here with an awesome black and gold jacket. Was this on your fashion watch, Tom? Yes, it was. <laughs> it, it's he looked like an Easter egg, like a Steelers Easter egg. I loved it. And this is when he was also with uh, Tomco. He had Tomco on uh, as his manager, which I think that was a great great uh, manager uh, wrestler duo, pretty much. Yes. The one of our favorite moments on the podcast. We we haven't got to cover it yet, but Tomco, give me a beat. No. Oh my gosh, Christian <laughs> rapping. <was> yes, <laughs> his rap wasn't half bad, but I love how he was like Tomco, be my hype man. He just said no. <laughs> in his face oh wonderful tomco uh then we get edges tights i thought edges tights were pretty good here as well and then we get kane coming out last after the pyro the ladders are on fire and at this point king is losing his mind <laughs> yeah uh most of the time king is losing his mind but this one was a little bit over <laughs> Yeah, I um, it, this was definitely interesting. We get we got a really hot start to this match. No pun intended at this point. Yeah, but, was, uh, yeah, ladders were on fire, and yeah, yeah, it was about as hot as you can get actually. <laughs> but uh, Kane takes out Edge on the ramp, and they're all fighting on the ramp before the match is even officially started. Uh, Kane takes everybody out, 
Kane almost grabs a ladder and he stopped. Uh, Benoit and Kane, not Benoit and Kane, but Benoit gets suplex. Benoit and I forget who else did, but it was a double suplex to Kane on the outside. Uh, Christian gets the ladder, hops off the apron, drills Christian in the face with the ladder. We get the bell ringing finally. Jericho in there with Shelton, springboard drop kick, takes out Benjamin and Edge on the apron. Then we get a plancha to Edge. Then we get a dive outside by Christian. Benjamin with a tope con hilo, which was absolutely beautiful. And then we get Kane climbing up the top, taking everybody out with a dive. This was frantic from the start. Yes, it was. And I just was thinking about it with the ladders on fire. If Jeff Hardy was in this match, he would have climbed one of those that were on fire. <laughs> that's that's the only risk he hasn't taken yet. He's, yeah, he's going to at some point just light himself on fire or something as he swantons. Well, he well, if he was, if he would have been around at the company at that time, he did do a jump off the ramp area at that same year, uh, Bound for Glory 2005. He did dive oh, off the yeah. off the top of the stage through abyss. So oh, he, yeah. this could and if if this hypothetically, if Jeff was in the company at this point, he could have done that. Yeah, yeah. off the uh, ramp. That that I, the distance that he got off like that swanton was ridiculous too. I don't know how he didn't break his tailbone. Yeah, scary stuff, man. Like this whole thing, just ladder matches in general. Like back in our backyard wrestling days when we were kids, we had a few ladder matches and I always hated being in them because like there's no way that you don't get banged up during it. No, that you get the shit kicked out of you pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's Eddie Guerrero, I think, talked about it in his book too. He said the only trick to ladder matches is knowing that you're going to get hurt in advance. Yeah, or if you give yourself like a pacifist gimmick and you can just stay away from all the weapons. <laughs> that's that's a good idea. My brother and I would uh, backyard wrestle, wrestle at times when we were little. My mom, my, I don't know if it was my mom or I think it was my stepdad at one point, he decided to give us uh, like, you know, those like uh, aluminum pans, like not yes. like the actual made of aluminum, but they're like, like kind of bendable and stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, he let us use those and we cut, <laughs> we cut each other up pretty good. <laughs> oh god oh yeah you got to get the right ones <laughs> yeah there's some that'll bend and break too easily like get sharp but you got to get the halfway sturdy ones <laughs> yeah it didn't work out too good for us there but uh it didn't work too good work out too good for everyone in the match after kane uh climbing climbs up top and takes everybody out on the floor with a dive at one point uh kane goozles benoit and then tries to choke slam him off a ladder uh counters it with a crippler's cross face and uh benoit then goes for the gets the cross face on edge as well kane slams a ladder into the face of benoit opening up his previously stitched up face uh kane then wedges benoit's arm between the ladder and slams it so this prevents him from using the cross face ever again in this match and benoit sells his ass off sells his ass off throughout this yeah, he really, like, the story that this, this wasn't just, like, a car crash match. It told a story, too, and, like, Benoit was the valiant baby face where it's like, okay, his arm is essentially broken at this point, but he's still fighting through it. And, like you said, his selling, like, he was just flat out screaming at some points. He was in so much pain. Yeah, his selling is uh, always on point. Like, I think even in, 
the WrestleMania 20 match and the triple threat, like he will, he doesn't care. He'll scream like yeah. to sell things. Like there's a lot of guys that are just grunting and stuff, but he, he will full out scream. Yeah, it's the it, Lex Luger approach. Yeah. Uh, Lex, Lex, Lex. All <laughs> right. But uh, more athletic move here coming up. Uh, Shelton springboard, double clotheslines. A uh, couple guys inside of the ring. Edge hits. Edge ducks a spin kick from Shelton. Christian has a ladder in his hand, and he eats a kick with the ladder. I like that they also did Edge and Christian for a split second, actually teaming up during this. Yeah, that's it, one of those where you. Got yeah, the me. ladder sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um we and they actually like they t- we did a hidden gem match where they actually teamed together. They did a reunion in um before Mania in 05. They faced Randy Orton and Shawn Michaels, and it was really really good. I gotta check that out. That's that sounds pretty pretty cool because they are both. Yeah, they were, were were they on separate shows? No, they were on both on Raw at this point too. Yes, so that's yeah, kind was, of interesting. Uh, yeah, was it right after this? Was the draft right after this, like a month or so? I think approximately um, around that or so. Because I know yeah, Christian went to right. SmackDown. I think he might it might have been in May because I think that's when maybe it was it June. I don't know. I know Cena was the first pick of the draft lottery, and they were like, oh, my gosh, blah, blah, blah. At one point, I think they had both titles on Raw because at Vengeance Vengeance 2005, both the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship were defended on the same show. Underrated show, by the way. Very, 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 almost an all-time great show, Vengeance 2005. The weirdest thing about that time period was like, so you're not getting random picks like they did with the draft before, but like as soon as they took uh, Cena from you, why wouldn't you just draft Batista? I don't. Get I that think either. that was the first year it was random. Oh, was it? Yeah, because if it wasn't random, I I'd be like, because so. they were like, oh, like we're gonna have to make the SmackDown title and stuff. Like I remember that being a thing, but uh, Batista, you know, ended up going. Yeah, and JBL was like, oh, I'm the SmackDown champion. Nope. No, you're not. Sorry, <laughs> buddy. Yep. Bad <laughs> things happening to JBL in store in storyline, of course, is always good. Great heel. Uh, bad thing happens to Benoit uh, here in a bit because they're all climbing up the ladder at this point. There's three different ladders set up in the ring. Uh, Christian hits an arm breaker onto Benoit. Then Jericho gets punched off the ladder, lands almost on his head, it looks like. And then we get the highlight reel of Shelton Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin then T-bones Edge from the top of the ladder. I think that's the only time we've ever seen that, and I pretty much wrote, holy shit, because that looked rough if I was Edge taking that. <laughs> yeah, and like you could tell Shelton tried to protect him as much as possible like because he didn't completely do the flip over his shoulder. But still, there's no way that you hit that move, and it's not going to be painful. Because you're having the guy's full body weight land on top of you. I yeah. love the and the T-bone's such a good move too. Like no one else uses it, and it was so good. He needs to bring it back. Yeah, honestly, like that's because I, I don't even know what he uses as it's a pay dirt. now. Because is it still the pay dirt? Okay. Because I haven't. I hate to say this because I love the hurt business, but I haven't seen him win a match in quite a while. I haven't either, but uh, yeah, I think it's still the dirt, uh, not dirt, pay dirt, uh, which is like kind of a STO. I think it's a, 
I think that's what it's called. It's an STO. Yeah, yeah. it's like a jumping, I think, STO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get uh, Jericho climbing. Christian's back as well. He leans the ladder against one, the one. Jericho's climbing up. He's got a, pretty much the hold of the briefcase. But then we see Benjamin literally run up the ladder and clothesline Jericho off of it. And literally, Benjamin stole the entire show in this match. He was like, he got, he was being, seemed like he was being pegged as the next big thing here at this point. Yeah, I love Sheldon Benjamin. Like this whole match was just a highlight reel from him. Cause I think at one point he springboard right to the ladder too. Um, and at one point he did the, obviously the run up the T-bone. I mean, everything he did was just great in here. Yeah, and he um like the way he hits this clothesline too, Jericho's bump was perfect. He like took the bump and rolled right out of the ring and it looked like the momentum and I think it might have carried Shelton to the corner too. Like it just perfect stuff. And you gotta have a lot of trust in somebody to be able to hit that move and you not neck yourself when it happens. Yeah, and whew, that was bad. Yeah, that would have been not yeah. been ugly, been ugly, but uh Christian after that, jabs the leaning ladder into Benjamin's ribs. Kane's back, choke slams Benjamin outside. But it was that was hilarious. I, I have oh, to laugh yeah. at this point because Benjamin gets his foot tied up in the ropes, and Kane's trying to get him out, but he's just sitting there hanging upside down <laughs> for probably about thirty seconds or so. Yeah, thank thank God he actually got his foot caught because otherwise that is a nasty bump to take on the apron. But yeah, hilarious be, moment there. It wouldn't be on my list of bumps to take. <laughs> well, as they mentioned, no, it's the hardest part of the ring. They say it about every match, but <laughs> it's 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 a fact. But uh, after that, another fact <laughs> is Tomko is actually shows up, just actually shows up, and then boots Kane. Then Tomko, he does the manager help, the muscle helping the the, the littler guy uh, climb up the ladder. He's helping Christian get up to the top of the ladder. It was like Rhino doing to him and i think at wrestlemania 17 i was helping him climb the ladder and then tomko gets clotheslined outside the ring and tomko on this clothesline he was falling out of the ring before he even got clotheslined <laughs> yeah he was uh, pretty green at this point um as you could probably tell but he um he really improved a lot like in his tna run for sure but here yeah like you said he telegraphed that he didn't want to be like Brian Hebner in 19 where Vince went to throw him over and he just got <laughs> slingshotted back in. And then he angrily threw him through the middle. He, he was like, I better jump first. And he just mistimed it. Yeah. But uh, uh, at least he goes over the top here. And then Christian does have the briefcase at this moment before Kane stops him. Kane shoves the ladder over, sending him outside to Tomko. Thank goodness Tomko was there to catch him because Christian was about to take a nasty-ass bump. And then we get Benoit. The man, the big baby face with one arm in major pain, climbing up that ladder, selling that arm like crazy. Uh, he sets up the ladder near the corner, climbs it, throat slash, and we get the diving headbutt from the top of the ladder onto Kane. Actually, that's when it, when he opens himself up, actually. But I'm glad I don't see the diving headbutt anymore uh, yeah. from, from most everybody. I think yeah. Brian still uses it on occasion. Right. I, I think... 
hope I hope that he's cut that out. Like, what? Well, because it's been a while since I've watched SmackDown. But even Harley Race, who invented the move, says like, if I had one regret in professional wrestling, it's that I invented the diving headbutt because it messed up his body, it messed up the dynamite kids, Benoit's, and it's just so dangerous. Yeah, it's such a good looking move, but I'm sure there's a way to do it much more safely, but it won't look as cool. And that's kind of the right. problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get Benoit climbing up. This is the end of the match. Kane sits up. Well, Kane sits up, climbs also. Then Benoit's fighting with one arm, gets goozled. Benoit with the rights and the headbutts that takes Kane off the ladder. Benoit's by himself. It looks like he's going to come. He's going to win the, uh, he's going to win the money in the bank. And then Edge comes in, the sneaky, slimy heel Edge comes in with the chair and slams Benoit's previously injured arm, knocking him off the ladder. Edge climbs, grabs the briefcase, and he's Mr. Money in the Bank at 15 minutes and 17 seconds. It's an absolutely instant classic match, and all the guys worked very hard, especially Sheldon, which with his just natural gifts, he like translates so well into. And I think he was in like every Money in the Bank after this for like eight years. Yeah, yeah, he um he was a staple of those matches, and but a lot of these guys tended to be in these multi-man ladder matches afterwards because they knew how to do it, and I think it was based off of the success of this one. Because we we already had guys like Jericho and Christian and Benoit who had been in big ladder matches before Edge too, of course. But uh, Shelton and Kane played their parts well. Obviously, Shelton stole the show, but Kane was pretty solid here too as the big monster. Yeah, Kane was good as well, and I just thought this was this. Normally, we don't see psychology in a ladder match. What we actually saw psychology here. Normally, it's just spot, 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 spot. We got some psychology sprinkled in here, which I thought this ultimately made this probably, I don't know if it's, it probably is the best money in the bank match ever. I'm going to give it an A. Ooh, I'm going to give it an A plus. I I think it's set the tone. It's borderline. It's borderline. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's set the tone for every multi-man ladder match since TLC. Uh, I don't think it can top TLC, but still, I mean, fantastic match. So I have the, you know, the Meltzer ratings up too. like, he gave it four and a half, but I'm sorry, Dave, you're wrong. It's a five-star match. (laughs) uh, Just just because I'm going to have to declare him wrong, but uh, (laughs) uh, it was the first one. I don't know if it could have came off any better. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. It was just so damn good, and it literally set it like set a standard for the Money in the Bank match. I don't think that they're they've been able to uh, like reach since then because yeah, there's been some good ones, but I I would keep going back to this one. I would I would say, and this really catapulted Edge into the main event at this point. So and yeah, he and this ended up being a very beneficiary to him later on with the famous cash. And he did at uh, new year's revolution, 2006 on Cena, which is, which it was crazy. Cause when he, when he did cash that in, he got a huge baby face reaction, even though he was a total heel at that point. Yeah. It, it's the thing about go the money in the bank cash. And Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to cut. No, you no, off. you go ahead. But the thing about that was, 
no one had set a precedent by how you could do it. So like, I think everybody in their mind, when you saw the first money of the bank, you were thinking, well, they'll announce the match. He'll say when he wants it, but the way that they did it has literally, it might've been one of the better ideas in wrestling history and WWE history of that concept. Yeah, I think so as well. And I still, it's gotta be up there with one of the top cash-ins because it was the first and then just the way it was done. And then I, I also put up, put the RVD one up there too, is the one of the better cash-ins because it was freaking home field advantage. Yes. That's the, those first two set the tone for every single one. And I think the, if we're doing top three, the other one would have to be uh, the Seth Rollins one too. Um, mainly cause I'm a mark for that match, but what a moment. <laughs> I also like the uh, the punk one, like after Edge and Batista's whole thing, and then you just hear the like the old uh, kill switch engage music. You're like, oh shit, they're gonna actually give him the title. <laughs> yeah, that and that that was a really good one as well. Ziggler would probably be up there as up there too. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, those but... were some great money in the bank cash ins. Plenty of great ones. There's some uh, not so good, but. Well, we could talk about those at another time. But what we have now, after this great match, we have a toughen up DVD preview with uh, if that, well, if you had the DVD, I don't know if it was on the uh, Peacock one or the cock, as I like to call it. But uh, <laughs> it it was not. <laughs> That's like I said. There's a lot of those extras that I didn't get on the cock. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of that. Uh, I have the DVD, so I saw some of these, but. I have the DVDs, I think, up to 23, and then I'm kind of screwed after this. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, we have Pewter, Miz, Ryback, and Mitch of the Spirit Squad all involved in this competition. Who would have thunk that Miz <laughs> would be still in the WWE at this point after being on Tough Enough, what, in 0405? It's unbelievable. Out of, the, out of those guys, he's the only one there still. Oh, the Miz had the Dixie dog fight and, you know, back in the day. And the fact that he became like the diva search uh, guy where he forgot every line that he had. (laughs) And and then he somehow (laughs) overcame all of that and had a very successful career is incredible. (laughs) Yes, I just remember my sorry. Go ahead. You're good. You're good. Uh, I was just going to say, I remember my my dad was the one in like 2006 he saw him on like a random smackdown and heard he was from cleveland and he's like oh that guy's gonna make it someday and i'm like okay he's terrible and somehow that was proved right and i i i'm still shook at the fact that miz is a two-time wwe champion i don't honestly i don't even know if i really count that second reign it was, uh, yeah, it, it he served, served his purpose, his pur- yep. I guess, yeah. but yeah. but Bobby Lashley, I mean, it, it's too bad we can't just retcon it, so it went from McIntyre to Lashley. Yeah, and you I, know, hope, I just hope it doesn't go back to McIntyre again immediately. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I don't want McIntyre to really win either, but the the match we need is Rollins and Lashley, the, the men of all the drip. <laughs> drip off and it's all just yeah. it's just them in suits <laughs> literally uh like how they used to do the bikini contest they just have them come <laughs> out with suits and see who has the most drip God, imagine how pissed off people would be 
Oh man. See uh, at least the three of us would enjoy it. <laughs> and, and then Taz runs in and just steals the show. Well, ta- no, well okay, yeah, since that since we can since the for, the proverbial forbidden door is open now, but uh I know I know you guys don't like that term because we see uh, Chris yes. Jericho is now on the Stone Cold podcast. Uh, whatever. It was just going to be great. I'm excited for it. I just the forbidden door. I've seen it too much on Twitter. I had to mute the words. (laughs) (laughs) It it was it was tough, but um, yeah, exciting stuff between WWE and AEW at this point. Um, This this next segment was very exciting too. By the way, yeah, we get uh, Eugene walking up the ramp (gasps) and coming up to the ring. And honestly, I don't know if this gimmick would work today. Because I think a lot of people yeah. would get offended, and uh, but, yeah, but yeah, but uh, this is a second favorite moment. WrestleMania moment is now his favorite, though. It's not just <laughs> any moment. It's where King Kong Bundy slams a midget, and then the midget <laughs> army attacks Bundy at WrestleMania three, <laughs> and then Eugene says, "Midgets are awesome," and WrestleMania got a awesome. huge pop. Yes, <laughs> the greatest moment of my life, and then we get Muhammad Hassan. I I love the Muhammad Hassan character. Gosh, he was a heat magnet. He he was. He got so probably the most heat on the entire show. To and in the gimmick, like obviously, there's some things that wouldn't work about it if you used it now. But the fact that, you know, he was an Arab American and had that as his foundation for the character was a good way to kind of like he believes he's in the right because he is an American. But it's like, oh, you know, like at that time with the war and everything. Oh, it was just such a good gimmick for the time. But the, you know, the heat was a little bit too much because honestly, he should have been a yeah. world champion. I would agree. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you begged a differ, Tom. Yeah, I don't. I I just I I put. I don't think he was a great in ring worker, so I think that he would have had to develop. But his mic skills were on point, like here, and also I did have a fashion watch, so um, it wasn't Muhammad Hassan though. It was Davari with the all white suit. Yes, Davari did have some some drip back in the day, but <laughs> I do have to say about Muhammad Hassan was. Uh, you know the fact that he uh his his song was so good too like it he was. had a you know the like chanting but he also had the hip-hop beat with it so he got more <laughs> over with me <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah what did get over here was uh hassan when muhammad hassan takes the mic from eugene and he says do you have any idea why i'm angry and then eugene says <laughs> to a huge pop you don't like midgets <laughs> and then Hassan talks about not being like being excluded from WrestleMania. Then he gets the the great old uh, what chant that we all hate. But uh, mm-hmm. yep. And then Hollywood, they're filled with phonies and fakes. Ellie has a long, profound history with prejudice and bigotry. And Hassan's talking about how he's not been pinned in his entire career, and he's ex- being excluded and taking a backseat with someone like Eugene. And he's not going to stand for this. And he's not going to, he wasn't given a WrestleMania moment, but he's going to make a moment here for himself. And they jump. Eugene does Hassan and Davari. And then Hassan locks in the, the Iron Cheeks move, the WWE Hall of Famer this, that year. Yes. Uh, Camel Clutch. 
Eugene's tapping, and then good old Mr. America, Hulk Hogan, comes out to a huge pop, and JR and King uh, wet their britches with how excited they get for this. <laughs> the uh you know muhammad hassan was just gonna break him and make him humble but that wasn't allowed <laughs> on that night because hogan had to run in and stole boy, the yeah and he, boy did we get a long segment from hogan here that man milked his reaction for all it was worth and i'll tell you it was maybe the loudest pop of the night it, it was up there like because in the crowd kind of knew it was going to happen too. they were chanting for Hogan, but then it got quiet after a little while. They're like, Oh, I don't know if he's coming out. And uh, just the perfect guy to fit to uh, face off against Hassan and Davari. Yeah. He was one of the WWE hall of fame inductees from this, uh, this year, which was a stack class. We'll get into that later. Uh, Noggin knocker from Hogan and he's got the rights. He's doing his typical Hogan stuff, whip into the corner, clothesline, big boot. Son goes out, gets thrown out of the ring. And then Davari comes in and not does the dumbest thing you can possibly do to Hogan. Just give him a chair shot in the back when he no-sells. <laughs> and writes to Davari, big boot, throws Davari to the outside on the under, other end of the ring. No leg drop here. Uh, Hogan then rips his shirt, does all his signature stuff, poses it all, really uh, hams it up here. Takes up probably at least five minutes of time because his music, I think, replayed once or twice. <laughs> we see Hogan's family in the front row. And we also see David Arquette, former WCW yes. world champion, there as well. Yeah, he milked this for all that it's worth. He took up so much time. <laughs> Was there a uh, Courtney Cox sighting with David Arquette? No. I, I think he was with Hogan's family. So I didn't know that David Arquette was a family friend of the Hogan's. Uh, but... It was a guy's night out for David Arquette, I guess. <laughs> but... We see Nick and Brooke and uh, Linda all there. And I don't know who else. But... Yeah, all the turntables with everything that happened there. <laughs> yeah, so at least they got a nice moment, I guess. But uh, yeah, Hogan is super over here. And it was a really good let, uh, segment to bridge, I think, the Money in the Bank ladder match and this next match. Yeah, because what we got in the next match, man, this is, as Vince McMahon would say, this is good shit. It is. It is very good shit. I agree. This is the first interpromotional match of the night. It's Raw versus SmackDown. Legend killer Randy Orton versus the legend, The Undertaker. At this point, it seemed like the streak was most in danger here. Absolutely. And to think Orton is only 25 at this point too, I think. And he is being set up where he looks like he's the one that is going to go over at this mania. And hot take here. If, if there was anybody that was going to end the streak, it should have been Randy Orton. Ooh, yeah, I think so too. I like that right here. It would have been a perfect time. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because what we ended up getting while the moment was good, for WrestleMania right. 30 with Brock it, because it was stunned silence. We would have gotten the same kind of reaction here, but it was a much better match. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you could have got, you know, he's down from the RKO. Like you got the, the old pyro he used to have flying down, like raining and throw the uh, legend killer pose up there, the legacy pose or whatever. And, it would have been a, a good, you know, picture. It would have been replayed over and over again. But Randy wasn't handling himself all that well at this point. No. From, from what I heard, he kind of prior, I think I was on there untold. 
that he said that he kind of showed up late for a rehearsal pretty much the day before. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, he talked about it too on his um, broken skull session with stone cold. Mm -hmm. And he said that he was embarrassed because it was like, it wasn't just taker, but it was like the referee. Um, I think it was like Dean Malenko or Ricky, Ricky Steamboat was the road agent. His dad was there too, because yeah. he was making the run in and he just showed up and they didn't even say a word to him, but it was like the disappointment just killed him there. I think he said like cowboy Bob's just like, he just like looked at him and like looked down and just like left, which yeah. is just uh, disappointment is sometimes worse than anger absolutely and sure. this the i i can't believe that even though they missed the rehearsal they had this match right here yeah because this match this, was certainly not disappointing no yeah and this is like randy had his personal demons from like 04 to like 08 i want to say and maybe a little bit after but i think he was kind of crapping in people's bags at this point so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of bad things happening yes allegedly of course yes but... we we don't know for sure but somebody crapped in the bag <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what wasn't crap was taker's entrance here uh taker's floating down the ring during this with uh torch bearers surrounding the ring so undertaker gets the first entrance here which that could have been almost a kind of a tease maybe if you were right. to maybe oh this guy might end the string because taker doesn't usually enter first uh but we get a 25 year old randy orton as you said tom earlier and uh Early on, Taker's kind of – Orton's doing some really good athletic stuff. It's cat and mouse. So, Taker – Orton lands a big drop kick and a back body drop early uh, using his athleticism, but eats a huge right hand. And at one point, uh, Orton goes for the RKO and gets thrown out of the ring, and then Orton slides into the announce table. And then Taker places Orton back on the apron, signature lay drop, hits the old school – yeah, he's completely in control, but Taker loses that control when he gets hit, when he hits a, uh, misses with a big boot in the corner, and then Orton drop kicks him off the apron into the ringside uh, barrier. Orton's drop kick is incredible, I just have to say. It is, and especially he used to throw like the drop salt where he'd do the backflip off of it in OVW, and to think he's like six foot three, six foot four. Yeah, he's like, a big man. Yeah, that athleticism, it's just not fair. Those thighs, though. <laughs> he, yeah, he, um, the crazy thing, too, off that drop kick was Taker's bump. Like, I keep forgetting that I'm just so used to other Undertaker, like the past few years, that I forget, like, Undertaker had some hops here. Yeah, both of these guys had some hops. Both were, uh, I think, basketball players in high school. I know Orton wrestled, and I think he said he played basketball. And, Obviously, with his drop kick ability, as someone once told me, he would have the bounce on 2K. <laughs> My goodness, yeah, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of momentum shifts throughout this uh, match. At one point, Undertaker hits the Snake Eyes, but Taker gets caught by a back elbow on his big boot attempt. Then Orton does the slapping of the attacking of the sternum. Orton poses. Taker sits up. Lots of lots of times. Uh, Lots of momentum switches, as I said. After an Irish whip, there was one point of miscommunication. This was it. Uh, oh, Taker yeah. and Orton had – Taker was going for a clothesline, and I think Orton, I don't – I think he was going for something, but Taker just freaking lays him out. <laughs> Completely lays him out. 
strong style Mark Galloway. <laughs> That's that was the revenge for missing the rehearsal. <laughs> he said, I "Your guess. dad told me to do this." <laughs> and what we what we didn't expect to see during this was a dragon sleeper. So this gets bonus points for just having a dragon sleeper in it because that's <laughs> the, we never see that move no the uh what did he used to call it the taking care of business <laughs> <laughs> who called it that uh, i think undertaker had named it that oh my I, god I, I don't know if he told michael cole to do it or michael cole decided <laughs> it on his own but he's like that's the it, they clearly dropped it at that point <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh at one point Later on in the match, Orton puts in a sleeper uh, slash slide headlock. Uh, Taker then strikes with from the knees. Orton needs a big boot in the corner. Taker runs off the ropes, and Orton catches him with a power slam, not the snap power slam we know to we know and love. But then we get mounted punches in the corner by Orton. Orton does his dumbass pose again, <laughs> and then Taker grabs the last ride. He didn't learn from everybody else that you don't pose in the corner when you mount Taker. Morton <laughs> though does counter like he's counter almost everything Taker's done goes for an RKO but Taker throws him into Earl Hebner who takes a bump and Taker goes for the last ride once again but Orton falls on top of them then we get the run in Cowboy Bob shows up and nails Taker with his injured arm that's not that's never been really injured it's just he always has that cast on but, uh, <laughs> just then, never healed never healed <laughs> Uh, Taker barely kicks out of that. He sits up. Then Taker with a flurry boots Cowboy Bob off the apron. We don't get a blade job from Cowboy Bob here. Thank God. (laughs) Taker goozles Orton. But then Orton hits probably the greatest counter RKO I've ever seen. One of the greatest counters of all time. He counters the chokeslam into an RKO for a near fall. It's on highlight reels everywhere. Um, Orton then does the throat slash, signals the tombstone. He goes for it, makes the, that mistake, and Taker reverses it and hits the tombstone of his own at 14 minutes and 14 seconds and to, to get the win and go to 13-0. and 0. Yeah, this is a great match. Uh, I would have liked Orton to somehow have won this um, if the streak was going to end. Uh, I think if not, you should have just never had it end. But uh, it's a it's a great match. There's just that one miscommunication. Cowboy Bob running down is fun. I did. I, he didn't blade, which is shocking because those dudes from the '80s just like they breathe heavy and just start blading. But <laughs> we didn't get Hugo blading here either, so it's okay. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah, you have to protect Hugo at all costs after WrestleMania 19. Yes, but I thought this was very good back and forth. I the gr- drama was great. Yeah, it really believe, made you believe, not very often, so that doesn't happen very often, that they make you believe the streak is actually going to end. And plus the uh, interference from Cowboy Bob made a ton of sense since he was involved with this storyline. I just thought this is a really good match, and I was gonna give, I'm going to give it a, an A-. minus. Yeah, uh, I don't, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm looking at the star ratings again, and Dave Meltzer <laughs> is again wrong. Uh, <laughs> he gave it three and a half. I'd probably give it – four four and a half so probably an a oh you guys are gonna be mad at me i'm i'm i think the three and a half stars is a good thing honestly just because compared to like their hell in a cell match that they had and the matches they have later i would probably give this it's a borderline i'd probably say b plus i i think it's fair i i honestly think it's fair and three it's three and a half three and three quarters to me 
it's right it's it's right around that range but it's a hell of a match for for a streak match at this point because taker hadn't had a really good streak match in what a while if i if i remember correct because he had the last the last three he had uh, maybe since he, he fought snooker <laughs> he did have the flare he had the flare one which yeah the flare one was apparently okay i just don't i don't know if it was this good no no this one was nice like and this was probably randy orton one of his like top five best matches ever at this point too i think this was i i, I would i would dare to say this was the best streak match at this point we got to put Ooh, some respect like that. on my boy Sid here for when he <laughs> fought Undertaker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Was that WrestleMania? What was that? What WrestleMania was that? Thirteen. Thirteen. That's what I was thinking. Just remember, he has half the brain that you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the class of classic Sid line. Uh, we need to do a Psycho Sid episode sometime. Just the, <laughs> yes. Just have the, us on for that. <laughs> just the one-liners for Psycho Sid. Yeah. The best, nothing's better than we're live, pal. And he's like, well, let me tell you tonight. And just like recovered so well. Yeah, he did pretty good. I'll give him that. And what we got next wasn't too good. Sadly. What we get, what we get is a WWE Women's Championship match. The crowd is absolutely dead for this one, honestly. We get Trish Stratus defending her Raw Women's Championship that she won from Lita at uh New Year's Revolution 2005 that was held in Puerto Rico at that point. Um, and then we get Christy Hemi as the challenger with Lita at ringside. And this, this match was rooted in jealousy, JR believes. And it was kind of a really a cool down match because the story heading into this was Christy Hemi got the cover of Playboy. I was at, that was at that point where they were doing that. The WWE women, like uh, WWE divas were doing Playboy covers at this point. And apparently Trish was jealous of her and then we find out that christy wants to challenge trish to a match at wrestlemania and trish is like eh, whatever no <laughs> what makes you think you can beat me yeah 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 whatever and then it's and then it's like oh somebody you know very well has been training me and it's lita that comes out so it's like oh that's the build we got so it's lita accompanying christy so her trainee taking on the raw women's champion not raw women's champion gosh that's that's past that's more than a decade after that but uh trish stratus <laughs> as a women's champion at this point taking on christy hemi and i'll say this lita was in very good shape even though she had a torn up knee yeah and you think that this the match probably would have been trish and lita if lita had stayed healthy yeah for sure uh, christy hemi um seems very nice like she won that uh well, I mean, not for what she said on one of those diva search segments, <laughs> but um, she seemed like, you know, she hung around wrestling for a while, like with impact and everything and was a good backstage interviewer. But I just don't know if in the ring was her calling. I don't think so either. Because no. this match wasn't very good. And I, uh, do you have a fashion watch for this one, Tom? Yes, Trish Stratus <laughs> with the rock and the suspenders that were attached to her gear. I was like, Trish can't miss either. It's like Eddie Guerrero with the fashion watch. Suspenders, like, essentially. Like she was feeling her uh, Jesus Aaron Aguilera vibes <laughs> and uh, took over the suspender gimmick. Gosh, he was a yeah. short-lived character. We, we we will forever love him, though. He stabbed a United <laughs> John, States champion. John Cena. Oh, I remember that storyline. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
That was terrible. <laughs> At an after hours club. Yep, after hours like, club. Well, is... well, it's not a strip club. It's an after hours club. <laughs> Just like a medical facility, not a hospital. <laughs> oh my but, gosh. But well, it's not like a, well, we can't call it a morgue either. No. Yeah. A, uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think they, what they, I think they called it a parlor, funeral parlor when they took Stone Cold there to embalm him alive, which was a storyline in the Attitude Era. Oh <laughs> probably never get to see this that'll probably never see the light of day again <laughs> but uh with the peacock but this match ha- okay christy comes out to probably the most generic music of all time yeah we didn't get any like at least it wasn't the uh generic tori wilson music that got used for like three or four divas You're afterwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that really hers I yeah, think that was hers so, initially. Yeah. That was hers. Oh initially. my god! Because because didn't they give that to Candice Michelle? No, it was no, Michelle uh, McCool. Michelle oh, McCool. Yes. And Layla at the same time. Oh yeah. yeah. They so at least at least it was different than that. But you know it's a good sign for this match when your um the challenger for the women's title has to learn how to wrestle really quickly. Yeah, because she has she was literally learning on the fly here because Trish had to carry her throughout this i'm not going to say much about this really but uh right. christy, i'll say this christy looked way out of her league at this point yeah it, it was a shame but uh and she worked hard though like yeah, she, yeah, did. Obviously, she worked very hard yeah but it's just i mean when you're barely less than a year into the business and you've had probably about 10 wrestling matches in your lifetime it's kind of tough to be able to be on this type of card yeah it's wrestlemania 21 it's, uh, it goes about four minutes and 11 seconds uh, I think if I remember correct, Trish really dominated this for the most part. Christy did get some hope spots where she countered a chick kick. She hit a low blow while we, while Lita distracted the ref. Uh, Christy <laughs> drops Trish. She dies. She tries to pull a Colt Cabana before Colt Cabana was cool. Uh, he goes, she goes for a Superman pin. Doesn't look good here, but then Trish goes with more chops in the corner and Trish, she's great as a heel. I'll, I'll give her credit there because she makes fun of Lita's knee at this point. She also made fun of Christy during this. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Trish is. Yeah, she's uh, another performer that works like with whatever she's been given. She like makes it the best possible thing that she can. Like truly one of the greatest WWE like all around performers ever. I think at least. Yes, and uh, we get a highlight from Christy here. Because she does the splits in the top corner, which that was pretty impressive. And then she goes for a sunset flip pin. She gets it. But uh, Trish kicks out. Then Trish hits a spear. Uh, Trish rolls Christy to the floor. Then Trish kicks Christy in the midsection, gets back in the ring, pushes lead it away from Christy. Then they're back in the ring. Christy rolls up Trish with a small package. Uh, she's, then Christy's got her dukes up, and she's kicking Trish's legs out slams Trish's head into the turnbuckle multiple times, whip into the corner, a reverse twist of fate by Christy. Then Trish kicks out at two and a half. Christy then with some more punches, O'Connor roll attempt. Christy counters into a cover. And I looked here, Trish did not kick out before three. Oh no. (laughs) Referee Jack Doan said she did. I was watching. I replayed it very, very slowly. But Trish did not kick out. Dome just kind of made sure it didn't happen. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm starting a petition. Knew. I got to start a petition. Christy Hemi is the rightful WWE Women's Champion. 
Give her both titles. <laughs> give her the, both the SmackDown and Raw Women's Championship <laughs> and the NXT one even. Just give yep. her all of them. Just have her bring back the old one, like how Moose just decided he, he was a champion. <laughs> TNA World Heavyweight yep. Champion. Uh, after that, after Trish rolls, uh, rolls out of that pin, uh, barely rolls out of that pin, she gets up and she's like, screw this. And then Chick kicks uh, Christy to retain at four minutes and 11 seconds. And honestly, they had no chance here due to two factors. First, Christy's lack of experience. And two, with the dead crowd they had following the Orton Taker match. Yeah, you went from three, like, three matches that could be show stealers on any show that they're on. And then you follow this, like, like you said, there's just not really a chance. It's good pacing for the card, but at the same time, like these performers, you know that they're fighting an uphill battle. It was the perfect match to be in between the angle Michaels and the uh, uh, Randy Orton taker match, honestly. And it served its purpose. Uh, Poor Trish had to work with, you know, Christy that didn't really know what she was doing at this point, but uh, I mean, it served its purpose. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a uh, C minus. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think given given the experience of Christy Hemi, yeah, I, I, mean, I hmm. Dave Meltzer got the dud rating here, the infamous dud. Um, I kind of agree with it, but I'll give it like a D plus. Fair. That's pretty yeah. fair. I was it was borderline. It was very close for yeah. to the D plus for me, but yeah, it was. It served. I, I thought it served his purpose as well. Yeah, and I, I think I just have to give it the C minus just due to the suspenders. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have to. But um, like you said, served its purpose, and it was a nice bridge to the next match. Because yeah, what came up next was an all timer. Yes, an absolute all timer interpromotional dream match is what they should have called it. Mm-hmm. Raw versus SmackDown. Kurt Angle from SmackDown taking on HBK from Raw. Uh, start this rivalry started out with Rumble, where HBK super kicked Angle out of the match after Angle was suplexing the world, as Taz would like to say. <laughs> uh, Angle loses it afterward, busts Michaels open, and locks in the ankle lock after he eliminated Michaels, even though he was not he was eliminated from the Rumble. Always got to love the Royal Rumble rules. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Angle says the issue doesn't just go back to the royal rumble it goes back even further it goes back to 1996 where angle won the olympic gold medal and then angle here is all he's hearing about is this guy named Shawn michaels putting on a wrestling clinic at wrestlemania 12 the story to this the lead up gosh so good yeah Yeah. and and you got to remember he did win it with a broken freaking neck yes can't forget (laughs) that ever (laughs) it is it is an interesting build though and and it it's so good that it ties into 96 with both of them. Like, I think I remember in the package, he's like, all I could hear about is this guy coming down from the rafters that year or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's great. Yeah. And especially where he goes through uh, Sean's past where he makes Marty Jannetty tap out on a smack yes. before Marty Jannetty lost his mind. They put on like this random banger of a match. <laughs> like, um, and, and what else we got out of this? was quite possibly the greatest oh, segment of all time. Oh, yes. yes. Sexy yes. Kurt. <laughs> He'll make your ankle hurt. <laughs> ankle hurt. Sherry got to be there. Didn't he put Sherry in the Yes, he yes. did. Oh, my God. 
Um, that's why it's the greatest segment of all time. You have Kurt, <laughs> you have Kurt Angle making a complete ass out of himself, singing <laughs> Shawn Michaels' music and, he, and his lyrics. I think it was Brian Gwartz. He said it on his podcast. Brian mm-hmm. Gwartz is the one that came up with all the lines. And uh, did he wear like the chaps and everything? Yes, too? yes, he did. And he had like the shirt where he cut all the way down the sides, and like he was playing the Shawn role. If he would have just had a wig. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so good. Kurt Angle, man. But uh, this just feels like a big fight coming into this. It's a big stare down before the match starts. Brian Hebner's the official. He doesn't get thrown out of the ring here, thank goodness. But uh, at one point in, during this beginning portion of the match, we get you screwed Brett chance out of freaking nowhere. Wrestling uh, he- fans, don't forget. Brett screwed Brett anyways. No, no, we're not getting into this today. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, yeah, Brett screwed Brett because that's what Vince said. And I'm not, I'm not taking a side. I was like, I was like, all right, we can have a debate on this sometime. (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm just going with the old sit down interview. Yep. It was a bold choice by Vince, but bold choice. Cotton. It didn't work out very well for him. (laughs) But um, yeah, wrestling fans don't forget, I guess, because he got that chant at WrestleMania 20 as well. Uh, that one was in New York, but um... they're not even around Toronto <laughs> at this point. They're no. in freaking California. So I'm like, how does this even come into play? It's like it getting CM Punk chants at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that all those like a lot of the troll chants have stopped mainly because there's no crowd anymore. But yeah. <laughs> well, you might hear them this weekend. Yep. Corey, yeah, Corey, it's your duty at WrestleMania that you have to start seeing. I'm gonna Punk start chant. a uh, Rob Conway chant. <laughs> uh, uh, Just look at Hardcore him. Holly. <laughs> Hardcore oh. Holly. <laughs> it would work. Oh. It's chantable. No, you just say you screwed Brett. It's just just out of the blue. No one no one will even understand why. It's like <laughs> HPK's not even here. Oh, wait, well, he's still can't forget. Never forget. You screwed Brett. <laughs> But uh, in this match, this match starts out with some amateur stuff. Michaels, well, after Michaels slaps him in the face because it kind of that pissed Kurt Angle off. Just He just wanted to get him pissed off at the beginning. But Sean works a side headlock a lot during the first, what, five minutes of this. And Angle can't figure out how to get out of it. But eventually he does after some standing switches. Uh, Angle hits a shoulder block, high hip block by HBK. And then we get the short arm scissor spot that is very underrated in my opinion because we get HBK and the short arm scissors on Angle. Then Angle picks him up, stacks him a couple of times. Then on the third attempt, he rolls through and deadlifts him, which is got to be so freaking difficult. Because I, I, I read, read Bob Backlund. That was one of his like specialties. Right. Can do, is, was doing that short arm scissors and then putting someone on the top rope. But God, the strength that Angle had in his legs to lift freaking 220 pounds of HBK in the freaking air. Amazing stuff. And I I need to find somebody that loves me the way that Jim Ross loves a short arm scissors or an Indian death lock. Yep. <laughs> like, like that man, he's like, I've never, I haven't seen that in years. What a move. I was like, it, it is a great move. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we keep moving. Well, moving on. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> after that, they're fighting in the corners. They're trading back and forth. Rights Hebner, he's having a hard time keeping them separated. An angle then, once once he does, angle drills Michaels from behind and gets an ankle lock in for a split second. 
Then HB Gay clotheslines Angle over the hand himself over the top rope. And they, then he breaks the official's 10 count. Angle with some punches and some uppercuts, a suplex attempt onto the announce table. Angle, uh, HBK counters with chops and punches, but he goes for a big right, big mistake. Angle ducks, gets him in the angle slam position and backs him into the ring post. What Angle meant to do here was slam Michael's back first into it, but he did ended up slamming his butt into <laughs> it. But still, we got the idea. Yeah, it was a good enough try. And I think I in somebody, I think it was an interview from Sean or Kurt, or it might have been in Sean's book. The only thing that they practiced that day was that spot. Yeah, I think I heard that too. I think uh, Kurt might have said that on his podcast too. Which, I mean, the timing on that too. Like a lot of these like split second things, it's just amazing that they're able to pull it off. And even if, like you said, he did not really get his back on it, it, you, it was still a nice attempt. No, and you got the idea completely right for it. So eventually, so that when with that spot, that means Angle's going to attack the back because we all know Michaels has previously <laughs> injured back here. Um, at one point, Angle turns HBK out inside out in the corner with a belly to belly overhead. Uh, then, then we get that spot we saw at WrestleMania 19 where he sticks his knee in the back lower back of of Michaels and gets a chin lock doesn't have an in as long as he did at wrestlemania 19 hbk fights out chops the chest of angle angle gets slapped then angle gets really pissed and just lays hbk out with a clothesline and we get uppercuts in the corner angle then sets hbk up top goes for a belly to belly from the top hbk knocks him off the top and then hbk goes for his big elbow drop but angle moves out of the way and Angle's like, it's time. It's 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 Angle Slam time. Uh, pulls the straps down, and then Angle counters into an arm drag. And uh, then Michael's back body drops Angle's to the outside, and uh, he dives off the top rope and hits Angle with a crossbody, which Angle gets absolutely drilled in the mouth here. Yeah, yeah. And, and Sean lands on his head too. Like it, this move did not go well for either man. No, it didn't. But uh. They were going all out here, so I'll allow it. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'll give them a pass yep. here. And you know what? It looked brutal, so I'll give them it, points for that. Absolutely. And then we get HBK on the apron. He tries to German HBK off the apron. I think this is the first time we've seen this. I don't know if we've seen it any other time. But HBK back elbows angle, hits him with the cheap shot, low blows. What's with the face is low blowing the the heels here in this it's this <laughs> wrestlemania it's like what is going on we've gotten it's, one from christy and then we got one from hbk here hey it well was, sean you know he's always a little bit slimy still he has that heel in him yeah and it got heat too like there was a big portion of the crowd that was rooting for kurt angle which i was really surprised me i don't think it really surprised me because he'd already built up such goodwill with the fans just true because how good he is that's that's that was it because they respected him yeah, and that's like I like I love Kurt Angle is one of my favorites of all time, but it's like Sean normally I would say gets like that loud reaction no matter what he does. Mm -hmm. But I maybe in this era because Montreal was still pretty close and everything that I I could see like a some of the like the combination of those two things Angle being great and Sean being a bit slimy could lead to that. But it was still like a loud portion of the crowd. Yeah, and then HBK. Kicks Angle onto the announce table. 
and it's a springboard splash onto a prone angle on the announce table. The table doesn't break, surprisingly. And apparently, so Angle on his podcast says here that this was probably the most painful spot of the match, I think. I think, I don't know if he mm-hmm. called this one the most painful spot, but yeah. And this was due to the fact that the table didn't break, which meant he took all of HBK's weight on top of him. Oh, that's yeah, I think he said he got the wind knocked out of him. and He uh, got the wind knocked out of him twice during this match. He's lucky he didn't have, like, his ribs just all snap the way that this happened, but... Um, I just this match might be my favorite match ever. Honest Ooh. to God, it's um, it's it's there with me as well. I this was like the first Mania that I that we bought um, on pay per view, and like we had everybody over, and I was just this is like the first match that really like mesmerized me, I guess, as a fan. Yeah, I think watching this, like I, I love the match, but I think I got a new appreciation for it during this watch like really sitting down i'm like this just a beautiful story was told like and then like the excitement just picked up and even though there were a few like rest holds technically it never felt dull i certainly didn't and we continue the non-dullness of this match (laughs) with uh the men getting in after the nine count they're kind of staring at each other angles bleeding from the mouth at this point uh, we get HBK signature offense, some right hands to Kurt followed by an inverted atomic drop, followed by a clothesline scoop slam. HBK then hits his elbow drop, goes for sweet chin music after he tunes up the band. And then Kurt counters, hits, gets the ankle lock for the first time in this match. HBK tries to roll out, angle holds on, crowds in an absolute frenzy here. HBK gets the ropes after a couple of teases. And then uh, angle, he wants the angle slam. But HBK counters into a sunset flip. This is probably the best countering sequence of the match. So Angle goes for the angle slam. HBK counters into a sunset flip, which then Angle reverses it into an ankle lock. And then HBK counters that into a roll through with a a victory roll attempt. And then Angle just barely kicks out of that. Uh, Then we get Angle countering sweet chin music, another sweet chin of music attempt with an angle slam. HBK barely kicks out of that. Then Angle's like, all right, this is, I'm getting sick of this crap. Let's go. Straps up, straps back down. Angle goes for a moonsault. Beautiful moonsault. But HBK moves out of the way, knocks the wind out of himself for the second time. And then HBK heads up top slowly. Big, big mistake. Uh, Angle then runs up, hits the angle slam for the second time in this match. And Angle then HBK somehow kicks out again. With a very after a very long two count, then Angles now Angles pissed off, yelling at HBK, telling him to tap out, which is one, an iconic scene during this. Uh, HBK pushes him away and then blasts him with HBK with uh, sweet chin music, and then after about forty five seconds, like the Triple H match, except this is actually a good <laughs> match this time. <laughs> he drapes his arm over him. Drapes his arm over Angle. Angle gets his shoulder up after the longest two count in history. That's how you put over a finisher right there. It's like, you know, you get hit with that thing and you wait 30 seconds for the pin cover. And then the the pinfall attempt is 10 seconds in itself. And you barely kick out. Like the timing was beautiful. Yep. It's uh, one of those iconic moments. And I think this is where you realize that angle is probably going to seal this up somehow. Yeah, because after that, 
HBK gets up, dazed and confused. He's like, how the heck am I going to beat this guy? But then Angle rises from the dead and trips HBK and grabs the ankle lock. And King, this is probably one of the best King lines ever. I got to say this. It was like something from a scary movie. He rose from the dead and grabbed that ankle. That was the line of the show and probably the line of the century. Yes. King deserves a pat on the back for that one, for sure. Like there are times where it's like, he's not paying attention. He's not on his game, but when he's (laughs) on his game, he's a very good color commentator. Yeah, for sure. I I completely agree with that. And this is the uh, ankle lock where Sean tries to counter like four times. Yes. And uh, angle just keeps it locked on. And that is like my, one of my favorite finishes to any like submission finish because it's like you're showing how amazing Kurt Angle is that like Sean has thrown everything out to, you know, get out of this move. And it's like, you don't, when he taps, you're like, okay, a baby face usually doesn't tap, but like, there's no other way he could have survived. Yeah. Cause no. this is like the oldest, longest ankle lock sequence in history because HBK, like you said, he's just, he's trying everything to get out of it. Angle grape finds the legs. Once he grape finds legs, you're kind of like, Oh shit, this is over. If he has HBK is writhing in pain, he's grabbing his hair, ripping at it, and his selling is just off the charts at this point. He teases a tap as he's raising his hand. He continues to rip at his hair and has no choice but to tap at 27 minutes and 25 seconds. And I'll, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go out and say this is probably it's it's very very arguably my favorite match ever. It's just with the two talents in there, and this is just a freaking masterpiece. And I think at the, uh, I, I completely agree with you, but uh, I just listened to Angle talk about WrestleMania 22, and he said if they didn't have Batista, like if Batista didn't get hurt, he probably would have had a rematch with Sean. That's interesting because, like, they did, they had a match at Vengeance, and mm-hmm. then they had that Iron Man match on Raw Homecoming, and it Ray went to draw. a draw. And then, like you said, they had to switch Angle to SmackDown, so they had Sean and Angle do like one last match on Raw, which was really good. But I think it had like a screwy finish. Um, yeah. But yeah, if they would have gotten that final match, like, imagine if they would have. This is just dream booking here, but like a sixty-minute Iron Man match between these guys. Oh, that they could have very incredible. well done that. Yeah, it would have been. Oh gosh, but what a what a classic! And like I said, I think I got a new appreciation for it just watching it because it's been maybe five or six years since I've seen this match. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna give it an A plus because everything. This is a professional wrestling match where you get everything you'll ever want. So it's you get the two men who are at that point top of their game, and like everything about this match from the psychology to the selling to the to the crowd it was everything you want in a wrestling match and more it just yeah you can't say enough about it yeah yep. i i completely agree with all of that and Meltzer again here 4.75 it's gotta be my five man. it should be five my man it's, it's gotta five. be five gotta my be man five. it's if it's in the tokyo dome it might be eight <laughs> no <laughs> um but yeah he it, this is a five-star match to me and that was like again the first match i was like really just like watched it and i was like holy shit like that i just saw something great and i've always looked at this as a five-star match and yeah that just just blows my mind how we did not give this five stars i don't even understand it's like you have everything in this it's everything 
How is it even possible to not get five? You give Kenny Omega eight stars. And- <laughs> yeah. Especially after seeing like, you know, the women's match, how short it was and how it was like calmed everybody back down. Like this should have energized you again. And it could, you know, give it the five stars. This could have been the main event of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially because this is arguably like, well, match quality wise, it's the peak. Um, but arguably like the crowd reaction doesn't get to be the same until the end result of the main event, I would say. Yeah. But uh, after that, we get a pretty good crowd reaction. It's from it's for Piper's Pit. It's a nice cool down segment, but it still keeps the crowd uh, energized. It's a recent WWE Hall of Famer, Rowdy Roddy Piper with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's talking about how he's thanking everybody for the Hall of Fame honor. And he talked about who's the baddest man in the WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who's the meanest Stone Cold Steve Austin? And who's the low downest rattleneck son of an na- unnamed goat? He's Steve Austin. <laughs> But then he asked this question, who's the biggest rebel of the WWE? And Austin Piper with the he, – gosh, he was so good. He says, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Piper's uh, – this was the first time I got to see Piper, like, live. Like, I think my dad, you know, he had talked to me about it, and he was like, oh, I remember when Roddy Piper smacked Snooka with the coconut. That was, like, his big <laughs> thing, and, like – uh, seeing Piper here still on his game was incredible. Yeah, and he's just dangerous enough when he talks that you have to have that sensor button around because you don't know. He's unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to say, but like you said, he, this man was on a mission to entertain everybody with his just rants. Like, I, I Piper, on like, in my opinion, he's a top 10 mic worker of all time. I have to agree with you as well. And, and, and I didn't listen to a lot of Piper promos, but like just this one by itself is like, okay, he's freaking on his game. Cause he, he could literally uh, manipulate the crowd any way he wanted. It, it, like he had that ability that not a lot of people have. Yes. Uh, and, and remember just when you have the answers, he'll change the questions. <laughs> he's the only one that Piper can pull line. it off. Yes um the the best thing is when he um like it, his look the way it changed like the way he looks at the crowd even like when he comes out like onto the entrance ramp or whatever or just the way like with a facial expression he can like he could change the dynamic yeah completely and uh he gets he brings stone cold out eventually he's like i gotta see this guy <laughs> and and i then we have them both in the ring. They are like, screw this. We're keeping, we're getting the school stools out of here. And Piper talks about it. So you're the rebel, huh? Welcome to Piper's pit. And then just slaps the shit out of Steve. And then Austin says, thank you for having very much for having me. You little son of a bitch. And then slaps Piper back. And Piper's <laughs> like, huh, I kind of like you. <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> Love oh it. It's, it's like looking at a mirror image of yourself. Well, besides for the kilt. <laughs> And this is just two different eras coming together pretty much uh, like the heel of the eighties. And then the biggest star of the, the, the not late nineties, two thousands and Steve. And he, then Piper manipulates the crowd with the what chance and Piper at one point is like, yeah, oh, got to keep up. It's like <laughs> trying to say, trying to keep up with him. He's talking about how they're standing up to McMahon. And, and then he's like, Piper's like, at one point I begged to differ. And then, Austin answers, if you shut up and listen, I'll tell you. 
<laughs> and talking Piper then talks about how WrestleMania was here when he was here and WrestleMania didn't have a number. And then he was pissing off McMahon when the red on your neck was diaper rash. Ooh. Epic line right there. That and and he just the way he delivered it, like it you knew Austin had to be on his game because otherwise like not too many guys can outwit Piper. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Piper is definitely a wordsmith, I would say. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, he was on his game here. And then they were talking about how he disagrees on some other parts, but you and James Dean ain't got nothing on me. That's Piper talking. And uh, Steve then says he doesn't trust a single son of a bitch and then talks about Piper's clothes and insults him. He's not intimidated or scared by Piper. Uh, he said, do I make myself clear? And he's like, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And then we get uh, Carlito showing up. The real star of the show here. My man, a big Carlito fan. So the uh, first wrestling match I ever saw was with Carlito in it. So very happy to see him along with these lesser legends. They <laughs> no. elevated him, though. I'll give him that. Oh, for sure. Uh, Car- Triple C right there. Carlito Caribbean cool. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm glad they cut the other two names out of there because it just didn't work. But uh, then they're talking and Pike Carlito says, no one wants to see you guys out here. They just want to see somebody cool. And, uh, and then Piper asks, who are you? And he calls, (laughs) and he's like, you look like alfalfa. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then Carlito's taking charge and he'd appreciate if y'all walk back out to the back and then Carlito's like, you got a problem. And he's tries to, he throws up his apple and Piper's like, ha I'm going to take it from you. Choose it up. <laughs> I'll choose up like 90% of the apple. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Has it all in his mouth, spits it at him. And then Carlito jumps and mounts Piper. Austin's like, Austin takes a second. He's like, I'm enjoying this. And then he's <laughs> like, okay, put my serious face on. Then go kick Carlito's ass, stomps a mud hole into Carlito. Austin throws Carlito into Piper with a bite with the signature eye poke. And then Austin follows up with a stunner. After that, beer bash with Piper in the ring. One last beer. Austin stuns Piper. And I got to say, this is one of the better non-wrestling segments in WrestleMania history with two of the biggest stars they've had. Absolutely. I thought that, and I didn't, like I told you before uh, we started the recording, I didn't remember like anything from this segment other than like Carlito coming out to interrupt it. It was everything that you would hope that a Roddy Piper stone cold interaction would be. I didn't even remember that Carlito was in this honest to God. Like I remember Piper getting the stunner, but uh, Carlito being there is, is always nice. And I think uh, maybe you should have brought the coconut back and you'd be like, Oh, you like apples? Well, I like coconuts and just hit them with it. Ooh, that would have been, that'd been good long-term story. Yes. That's how you do it. But yeah, they killed it there. Piper and Steve Austin were on their game. After that, though, we get uh, shown one of the better trailers of the pay-per-view, uh, better trailers for the pay-per-view, and it was the You Talking to Me line from Taxi Driver, and it's Batista where he keeps asking what his line is. Big Show keeps having issues happen where his jacket rips, the boom, the mic boom comes down, <laughs> and then eventually he gets cut off at the end of the trailer. And actually, one person, I'm like, what the freaking heck, how did he get into this trailer? It was Michael Cole. <laughs> he's the one guy who doesn't fit in this at all 
And he has well, his shirt off, and I'm like, star. <laughs> the star, Michael Cole. No, uh, hilarious stuff. I actually, I saw this, like, it, it wasn't part of the Peacock broadcast, but I did watch this not that long ago, and it's excellent stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah they're all really good. Yeah, Batista throws, uh, no, Big Show throws the guy into the uh, set, and then Batista's like, oh, you talking to me? <laughs> Finally. But uh, great stuff there. And what we get here is uh, probably the highlight of the night. <laughs> in a very sarcastic yeah. tone. Akibono <laughs> taking on Big Show in a in the first ever sumo match. Big Show wearing his diaper out there. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. Big Show in a kimono is certainly a look. <laughs> it, yeah, that's a fashion to watch itself. It is. I, I didn't have that on there because I was just so shook by that fashion statement. But um, <laughs> big show, no BS Paul White out there. And he... Um, Showing his ass. Yeah, this was not really a WrestleMania moment for him to remember and was part of a, a storyline eventually when he fought Cody Rhodes where they're like, you know, you didn't do anything at WrestleMania, haha. And they showed like the highlights of this match. Um, and, you know, I got to say, Skylar, we've told this uh, on on our show before, um, <laughs> but my dad had a, uh, a rep, a Coca-Cola rep that used to come into the store he managed. And uh, it was around the time like this was happening. And he was talking to her and he's like, oh, my kids, you know, watch wrestling. She's like, oh, so do mine. She was like, you know who I think's just dreamy. And <laughs> this woman said, the big show just has the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like my dad just like laughed in her face. But so anytime uh, I see big show, you just got to think about his, his uh, gleaming, his dreamy eyes there. Well, when I think about big show is I think about him crying at every hall of fame ceremony. Yep. <laughs> Without fail. <laughs> and I gotta say, this might be the only match for Big Show is smaller than the person that he fought. Zaki Bono is certainly huge at this point, and uh, it was certainly a spectacle. They only go to about a minute here, and uh, Big Show lifts Aki Bono. At one point, okay, we gotta talk about this. I gotta bring this up. Why does Big Show do his choke slam taunt in the middle of this? <laughs> I saw the gif of it on Twitter as well, so it's been immortalized forever on social media. <laughs> there's there is no reason for this, but he, he just had to threaten Akabono with it. He was like, you know I'm what? I, I could do it. <laughs> I but can I choke won't. slam you out of here. But no, eventually Big Show does lift Akibono and turns him towards the uh turns his back towards the the uh the edge of the circle but then akibono just throws him out of the ring and big show loses not much to see here good a little cool down before we head into the next two uh well main event you could pretty much call it the double main event of wrestlemania i'm gonna give it a c even though it's really not a match but it was what it was it was good for what it was <laughs> yeah i I don't know. I, it's not even really a match. I don't even know if I can grade it. It's yeah, like poor Big Show. Poor Big Show had to be in there with a world champion sumo wrestler. And he's just like, <laughs> it's one of those moments in your life where you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> At least he didn't get the Butterbean Bart gun treatment. And this was oh like my a work God. sumo. <laughs> like the, a brawl for all. Yes. Bart one gun of... could have been a damn star knocking <laughs> people out. And then they were like, let's see if he can knock out this professional 
tough man fighter and Butterbean just ruined that guy's face. Yeah, that outweighs him by about 80 pounds. Like, but I think that's so, more but, than that. I think it was about 100 pounds at least. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Bart Gunn, man. But um, Big Show did not get Bart Gunned here, which was nice, but it, he not really a great. At least he's on the card, I guess. You know, he's not in the pre-show battle royal or anything. But I, I couldn't – if I had to grade this match, it would probably be like a D-minus, honestly. But yeah. um, just because – I don't know. You can't really it, – it's hard to grade this yeah. at all. Because it's, yeah, really, exactly. it's more of a spectacle than anything. But what wasn't a spectacle, what wasn't probably – I'm not. I'm going to say it wasn't a great match, was the crowning of John Cena, JBL, yeah. taking on JB – JBL for the WWE Championship. At this point, JBL had the title for nine months, and this uh, this would be the longest reign in SmackDown history for a long time. And uh, JBL was very good at this point as a heel. I'll, I'll give him credit where I'm not a big fan of him personally, but I'll give Same. him credit where credit's due. He was a good heel. Oh yeah, man. He had the they had the reign of terrors going on in both <laughs> sides at one time, like. Triple H was just taking out Maven, poor Maven, after they won that. <laughs> and he like gave him the pedigree and just sat there for 30 minutes before he pinned him and <laughs> all that good stuff. But JBL was a hell of a heel, and a lot of the shit he did, not okay today. <laughs> no. I, no. Especially what I've read in Justin Roberts' book. I just... Uh, I, yeah, I... I'm not a fan of him at all. I actually, on my personal account, got blocked by him on Twitter, not mentioning him or anything, but when Mauro Ronaldo had uh, had one of his, like, I think when episodes. he quit WWE, when he had his episode, I all I did was wish him well. I'm like, you know, you're one of my favorite announcers at the time. Like, you know, I hope you're doing well. And he literally found out, like, about two days later that's, that JBL blocked me for that. Wow. And you weren't even saying anything about no, him. No, no. It's like the thin skin that you have to have. Like, and also his matches suck. I'm sorry. Uh, his but... matches do suck. And this one does suck too. Because, oh, yes. Because it does. certainly this was, uh, I don't know. This was a bunch of nothing happening for most of it. Because because all I saw, JBL's repertoire was punches, a spine buster, and like four neck breakers. Yep. And the spine he... buster is like a rare find in that move set too. <laughs> yeah. And I think it... it was like a Ron Simmons spine buster too, almost. Yeah. And like the way that Michael Cole built him up too was like, you know, no matter what you say about JBL as a person, like as a champion, he's been a survivor. Like he survived all these matches and then proceeds to completely dominate John Cena for nine minutes. Yeah. Most of this match is dominated by JBL. J- John Cena does have some hope spots. I'm not going to talk too much about this match because there was it wasn't much of a, it wasn't mm-hmm. much really. But I'll go towards the finish as JBL hits a short arm clothesline. Okay, he does have more than those three moves, but not <laughs> much. But uh, Cena does get his leg on the bottom rope after a short arm clothesline. Snap mare forearm into the back of Cena. Then JBL with a sleeper hold, back suplex by Cena. Then ducks the clothesline, double down on a double clothesline. Cena then with some rights, JBL throws Cena out of the ring. Uh, fourth neckbreaker of the night. Taz mistakenly called it the third, but I'm pretty sure it was the fourth at this point. He hits it on the outside of the ring. Then JBL sets Cena up top, hits a superplex, and then JBL goes up top for a crossbody, which makes absolutely no sense at this point. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he technically... 
did hit it, but Cena turned it into the power slam. But yeah, like you're winning in the match. You're not in any danger at all. Why are you doing this? It just got a little too cocky. I guess that's what they were trying to say here. Yeah. Uh, Cena then follows up that with the rights and a headbutt followed by some clothesline. Back by dropped the JBL shoulder block hip toss. His signature spin out slam uh, hits the five knuckle shuffle. Oh my gosh, that move's horribly named. and they never changed it either like they changed the fu they changed the stfu but they're like yeah let's keep this one in it was one of those things where when i was nine i didn't know what that meant (laughs) and then later i'm like oh i've been saying like this the whole time five knuckle shuffle (laughs) what i want i remember uh coachman calling it on the i think it was vengeance that year he called the five no it was a maybe survivor series when he took on Angle, he called it the five knuckle waffle. Oh no. <laughs> it was just to make fun of Cena at that point. But yeah. after that, Cena does it. He had a boot in the corner after he pumped up his shoes. Underrated, underrated. Love the shoes. I, I wanted a <laughs> pair of Reebok pumps so bad because <laughs> Cena had them. And then uh, we get Cena ducking the clothesline from hell, hits the FU and wins the match. Like, really? It's like kind of like, what the heck? This, that was quick. At uh, 11 minutes and 26 seconds. And this mostly was just Cena getting hope spots. And then JBL just dominated three quarters of this match. I'm going to give it a C minus because it was just a giant heat segment for JBL. And then Cena wins after a brief comeback. And then that'd be something we get used to in the years to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have gave it a D plus, but it gets a C minus too for me because of the celebration after made up for a little bit of it. If I'm being honest, this to me, F. Oh, because because you're trying to build up the next top baby face against a champion who's been like a coward the whole time. It's like, honestly, if this match would have been a five minute squash for Cena, like it would have been perfect storyline wise. Like JBL throws everything at him. He hits the clothesline from hell. He like rakes the eyes, does a low blow and Cena kicks out of all of it. And then like smiles and then just completely dominates him. He looks like a total star. Or even if they have the match that they did at judgment day, the, I That's quit what I was thinking they, what, what was, the, what was missing in this match? I think was the brutality. Cause what you got before was a great video package. You yes. got a wonderful video package hyping up this match. And it seemed like it was very, very personal. What we got here wasn't like personal. It was just like a, a wrestling match. Yeah. The right. build, what I remember was the build being like really good. Like he was talking about, you know, he's the high society kind of guy and seen as like just this kid from this little town that no one like cares about. And, doesn't he? I think he says some kind of savage line about Cena's mom. Yes. Yes. Laying on her back. Yeah. yeah. And then we get, uh, then we had the uh, no contact order too by Teddy Long. And mm-hmm. uh, that's when they did some really creative stuff. And it's like, you finally, they finally get their hands on each other. And Cena is the baby face. He finally gets to get his comeback. And then he doesn't really do anything until the last 30 seconds of the match. Yeah. And I guess it makes up for it with the I quit later. Yeah, that, I, I mean, think, that I think that's what they, I think that's what they did. I think that's right. why they did it. Right. Yeah, that match. I mean, Cena had never bled like that ever again. Like that dude was bleeding buckets, and I mean, the whole thing was great. Like JBL saying he quit, and him Cena still hitting him with the muffler or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was a great moment, but probably should have 
been here at least maybe like a cage match here or something right yeah something because and even just a different structure but i don't know to me like i said it it made cena look really weak i would say and obviously now the next 15 years uh made up for it but but it was a weak start for sure um after that though we get a little bit of a highlight more of a highlight we get the 2005 hall of fame inductees mean gene introduces us to the class of 05 cowboy bob orton nikolai volkov hey i gotta give credit or to orton here real quick he was selling still after the undertaker bit. <laughs> good for him but uh, yes. nikolai volkov iron Sheik, mr wonderful paul orndorff the mouth of the south jimmy hart rowdy roddy piper and the immortal hulk hogan most of those guys appeared on the first WrestleMania. I think he did actually. I think uh, all of those guys appeared on the first WrestleMania, if I'm correct. Yeah, yes, I think so. And because Bundy, I think Bundy was managed by uh, Bundy was managed by Jimmy Hart at that point. Yeah, and that's a hell of a class. And the class before this too, at 20, was like they had like eight dudes that could have been headliners, and just like this class did. I mean. They really put uh, a lot of legends in at one time in that two-year period. And then the, uh, I was just going to say the one after that had Bret Hart and Eddie Guerrero in it. Like, yeah. that enough. Like, it, it's just crazy to see for sure. Um, but we get I, – anytime I see the Iron Sheik, I'm very happy. <laughs> yes. Yes, he yeah. he said he had some ridiculous tweet the other week, and he was like, "If you don't like the Steely Dan, then f you or something." <laughs> like, his, his Twitter is must follow. Yes. Oh my god, I've never heard somebody claim their love for Steely Dan <laughs> like he did. So, oh. just Iron Cheeks, wonderful. And then Piper here, he's probably the best dressed out of everybody. Yep, fashion watch right here. He's got two shirts on. um he's got a pink like dress shirt and a white dress shirt and they're both open and he's got his red kilt and his like crucifix i'm like this is how you need to show up like that's a power move (laughs) oh my god yeah and then we get the uh hype up it's like oh wrestlemania 22 it's in chicago that'd be the last arena wrestlemania ever (laughs) yeah Uh, i guess at this point I don't think it's ever going back. Nope, it's never going back. And then we find out from JR that apparently the building was sold out at 58 in 58.4 seconds. Don't know if that's true. Probably (laughs) not, but still, that's pretty impressive. Oddly specific. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, who's timing it? (laughs) They're like, we got to come up with something so it doesn't sound like a lie. But either way, like those things sell out ridiculously fast. Mm -hmm. And then we get. the main event, the biggest, uh, the most long-term story of the night, Triple H with Ric Flair defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Batista, match two years in the making, and Batista had a choice to go to either SmackDown or Raw at this point, or stay on Raw at this point, and Batista decided to stay on Raw after winning the Royal Rumble, and this is, uh, th- this was a, this is WWE doing good long-term storytelling, something they haven't done in a while. Yeah, like this was, and everybody thought that this was going to be the Orton Triple H match too, which is really surprising. Like how Batista, for lack of a better term, evolved throughout like that year where he went from being the fifth wheel in that tag match at uh, at WrestleMania 20 to being the headliner and one of the most over faces on the show. Yeah, and the incredible moments at the Royal Rumble and then 
the buildup for this, like Triple H really scheming to try to get him to go to SmackDown with the, he's like, you know how hard it is to get a limo with Longhorns on it, and they had somebody drive it at him, and the whole thing was just incredible. And uh, yeah, th- what we get is an incredible entrance from Triple H with the uh, Lemmy playing him in, and I gotta say, Triple H was incredibly tan here, and he's got the le- he's rocking the Lemmy, which is I think his favorite. That's uh, my favorite look for Triple H. Oh. It's such a bold choice. <laughs> it's better than the clean shaven look. Yeah, me, I would I would say that. Yeah, he uh, the Lemmy beard is not something I would advise many people to do, <laughs> but it worked for it worked for Triple H as a heel champ, man. Like you got to have something. Like remember how CM Punk had the Wolverine sideburns? <laughs> oh yeah, that was bad too. <laughs> but um, it's yeah, Triple H. He's looking jacked too. Like clear. This is one of like before i think maybe after he was out for a while in 05 is when he started getting like a little bit like too muscular um where like i know when we did our dx trilogy he was like not like in the best shape this was one of his peak physical conditions like this man looked like a monster yes certainly here i i thought he was very i was like i was about to say he's jacked he's absolutely jacked here but uh what we get here it's a pretty decent match, I'll say that. We get a decent main event. Not one of the best matches on the show, I'll say. But uh, I thought they told a pretty good story. Um, Triple H really pulling out all the stops here. He had a Harley race high knee at one point, knocking Batista out of the ring. And Flair's, Flair's scheming little Flair's trying to get involved. And uh, Kyoto catches him. And Triple H throws Batista headfirst into the steps with his back turned. Then a second rope elbow to the back of the head as Batista, as he was sitting between the ropes, Triple H choking him. Kyoto was about inches away from DQing him. Ref has a combo with Triple H, and then Flair finally gets himself involved, choking him with the jacket. This is definitely great heel Flair manager uh, managing here. Uh, Triple H then rams Batista's back into the barricade, which that was kind of the turning point in this match because then Triple H works the back for quite a while. Yeah, he he, uh, he really did work the back there for for a long time. But I mean, again, serving his purpose, uh, the story in this match was fine. Um, and then for some reason, everybody decided to have the rematch as like the big, you know, classic. Yeah, why not yeah. have the big one at WrestleMania? I don't understand that. That's one thing that confuses me about this is they build this one up and then they have two more after this. And the third one's the best one. That's never usually the case. Right. It's it's really strange booking here. And just strange how they go from like place to place because you think that at least one of these world title matches that they have, you'd want that bloody spectacle that everybody remembers. Um, and instead you kind of get to like like you said, this match it told a good story. And like I can't remember other than the street fight with Sean and Triple H, Triple H ever working the back. So it was different. Mm-hmm. It was certainly different. Triple H hits a spine buster at this point, and then he, at one point, and uh, gets multiple near falls. The crowd's pretty dead during the heat segment. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, um, Batista eventually does start his comeback. Sidewalk slam, eats a big boot after charging into the corner. Uh, Triple H goes for an Irish whip. Batista stomps him, throws him over the top, and we see that signature bump over the top rope by Triple H. Doesn't tear his peck this time. <laughs> Love that bump. Uh, it's sad that we'll never see it again and probably for good reason because 
he's got to have those pecs intact i guess yeah yeah for sure and then we get triple h going for a pedigree at one point on the steel steps after but he throws batista into him uh but the beast batista double legs him and then catapults triple h into the ring post which is kind of awkward looking and uh i think i'm pretty sure triple h bladed before he even hit the post and it's crazy you say that because at WrestleMania 20, Sean did the same thing where like as soon as he flipped his hair up, he was covered with blood. So it, it's it, I don't know if it's before that spot. They just don't know. Like, you know, they don't want to have to like they want to make it look better. It looked great. Certainly, I thought Triple H really sold that well. Uh, then we get back in the ring, Triple H dropping to his knees and then Batista's just clubbing Triple H pretty bad into the cut and triple h is gushing blood here uh then then batista runs off the ropes and hits a big boot to batista not to batista's head but triple h's head uh whips into the buckles running clotheslines for batista and there's one clothesline the last clothesline he hits in the corner is freaking awful yeah it, it looked it looked <laughs> like it hurt like shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a rough one and like jr put it over like we've seen him win matches with that clothesline which is true like amazing move yeah yeah it's a uh it's a bold choice it looked like it was gonna kill somebody but <laughs> uh then yeah batista then power slams triple h and flair tries the cheap shot batista with the uh, cheap shot batista then keto kyota takes the chair from triple h on the outside of the ring flair comes into the ring with the title and gets eats a spine buster for it then kyota rolls flair out of the ring triple h hitting batista with the belt Batista then kicks out at two. Uh, Triple H then runs into a spine buster. Ref then still down. Sets then Batista sets up for the Batista bomb. Low blow from the from the game. Triple H then goes for the pedigree, and this is probably my favorite spot of the match. Yes, I popped so hard for this spot. Because Triple H <laughs> goes for the pedigree, and he can't lift him for it. He keeps trying to jump up and lift him for it, but Batista is refusing to go up. And then Batista powers out for getting, making Triple H release the grip. And then it wasn't a white noise that it wasn't called white noise at this point, but Batista hits a white noise on Triple H. And uh, then Batista hits the rope shake, thumbs up, thumbs down, Batista bomb. And Batista is your new world heavyweight champion at 21 minutes and 34 seconds. Yeah. Uh, a great moment to get Batista who is not the youngest guy in the world, which I still can't believe that. I think he's he older than so Triple H. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I think so. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this young up and comer. And I still can't believe because he looked like he was in his 20s here, but he's really like in his mid 30s. Uh, he was doing the boogeyman thing, but it worked out for him. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, decent enough match. And I mean, I guess it works out that you have your crowning moments. They celebrate with the WrestleMania crowds for him and Cena, but those matches after, man, so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, great. I'm going to grade this, honestly. I the, the only thing that elevates this grade for me, I was going to have it probably about C+. The finish was what I, what got me, and I'm going to give that a B because I thought it was a solid of main event, but really most of it was forgettable. And I don't understand really why Triple H needed to bleed during this I didn't, uh, I didn't see it as necessary but i understood triple h uh trying to pull out all the stops yeah he did a good job of making batista look good that last half of the match but it's like 
with a lot of Triple H's title defenses at this time, I feel like he stretched like 15 minute stories into 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like you'd get dead crowds for half of the match. And then, and then at the end it picks up like the finish. I love the finishing sequence to this match. And like you said, I'd probably, I was probably about a C plus on the action B on the finish. So I'd probably give it a B minus. Um, mm-hmm. But in, it, it's just what everybody remembers is like the moment with the fireworks and everything here. And then the hell in a cell that they had at vengeance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd go probably C plus B minus somewhere in there. Yeah, it was, it was good. And then we get Batista getting the pyro as he celebrates the title win. We get a fun video package to close out the show and a song from three doors down. But uh, that was it for WrestleMania 21. Actually, is there another song after the three doors down one, but it's just continues the video package and uh, highlights all the matches from the show. But uh, I'm going to honestly, uh, I, uh, I'm going to, for this show as a whole for WrestleMania 21, uh, I'm going to give it a uh, B plus because I don't think, honestly, I don't think this one gets talked about near enough because there is so many great matches, including Eddie, Ray and Eddie, Money in the Bank, Orton Taker and HBK Angle. Those are all almost main event level matches. Uh, I agree. That's actually where I was going B plus. Um, I think it's definitely one of the probably top third of all the mania events um, for sure. Uh, I'd have to look at these and rank them again, but I would say probably between five and 10 for me for, uh, you know, it's range. Right. I, like to me, it's one of my top five favorites. I don't think it's necessarily top five of all time, but it is, like you said, that undercard is just ridiculously good. And you have four show stealers in there. And then you have the crowning moments of the top two baby faces, like going into the next era, I guess. Um, so I would probably go with a B plus as well. And I thought this, this like, while this WrestleMania was good, I still think it lagged slightly behind. Like I, I have it. I think I'm putting it probably in the top three for me, but that's, it's pretty close. But uh, because I have, it's, it's I, for me, it's like 17, 19, 21, and then 10, probably. Okay. I can oh, yeah. see that. I could see that too. Yeah. I would, um, like I'd say 23 I, is 23 could put in there too, but yes. Love 23. I'm so glad that you said that because that's, that was my first WrestleMania that I ever saw. Um, so that was a cool one, but I would probably say, if I could place this with the ones that we just reviewed, it was not as good as 19, but it was better than 20. Mm, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm like, Oh, I, I just don't know. I just love 20. Cause it was the first one, you know, it got that spot right. in my heart. Right. Understood. Yeah. And yeah, that's understandable. It's a special, got a special place in your heart. And it, and it, it, it it's, it's, everyone's got a different opinion on their favorite WrestleManias. It's just fun to discuss it pretty much. Oh, for sure. But yeah, if you put these, the big like three matches I would take from this, like Money in the Bank, um, uh, Orton, obviously Angle and Orton, or Angle and uh, Michaels, Take. and then either Taker and Orton or Eddie and Ray. I mean, I think they hold up to any other big three matches from any of the other manias. Uh, yeah, it's certainly, certainly a very good WrestleMania. Uh, happy you guys uh, joined the show to watch it, uh, to, to uh, review it with me. Uh, really glad you guys could do this. And I, I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you for having us, man. Like I this was so much fun to watch and I was able to do it really in two sittings, which is it's tough to do that with a lot of these shows, like to just be with the time that you got to put in and the fact that like other than probably the two duds of the night and then the Cena and JBL stuff like this show is still an easy watch despite the bad just because the good was so good. Yeah, and I'm I was definitely happy to talk about this one because uh some people you know don't look on this era as fondly as the attitude era but wrestlemania 21's peak fandom for me so uh you know it was, it was fun and I'm, I'm happy to to talk about it with uh you know other people our age that remember this as fondly as i do yeah uh thank you guys again um uh you want to plug your social media and uh talk about and uh plug your podcast uh Go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Twitter is Stranger Rings One. Um, the Instagram is Stranger Rings Pod, and we're on YouTube and Facebook under Stranger Rings Podcast. Um, we're on Apple and Spotify. I guess those are probably the two biggest. Uh, you can find us on some other third parties. But um, Tom, we got the WrestleMania 37 review coming up. So that's our next episode for sure. But, you know, we always talk about the weird stuff. So it, it's it's a fun time. <laughs> yes. It certainly yeah. is. Definitely recommend you guys. Uh, love listening to your stuff. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. And, and we, we love your reviews, too. I got to go back. I got to listen to the WrestleMania 10 one because that's one uh, I haven't watched that WrestleMania. So I'm intrigued Ooh. by it. Certainly an underrated one. I'm this week. I, I'm also going to do another WrestleMania review as well. This week, uh, I'm going to do a WrestleMania 12 review. So, if you remember, that's the uh, famous Hollywood backlot brawl with Roddy Piper oh, yeah. and Goldust, yes. and then also the uh, famous 60 minute Iron Man match with uh, uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart. So, that should be a lot of fun as well. I don't know if I'm going to do a WrestleMania 37 review or not, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, and that's an asterisk by ours. I'm going tonight too, um, so that's going to be exciting, but we're just going to pretty much really quickly cover it. We're not going deep into it because it's probably going to be 12 hours long. Uh, yeah, that was eight matches each night. I think so. I think it's supposed to be 8 to 11 each night too. Oh my so at gosh, least, at least we long. get Yeah, but at least it's not too bad like, you could break it up over the nights. Um, but still that's 14 matches or 14 or 16 matches rough. Yeah. I liked it more when it was like the eight matches like this one. And then just <laughs> yes, put everyone it's, it's, in battle Royal. It's less like, than a four hour pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I take, think four might be the max that you should go for some stuff. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for uh, their WrestleMania 37 review possibly with an asterisk by it, but uh, at Stranger Rings 1, correct? Yeah, that's yes. Twitter, yep. At Stranger Rings 1 on Twitter. Yeah, find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can find Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, this show, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find, follow, you can follow, follow the show on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, at Sig Daddy Wrestle, and on Instagram, at sigdaddy.wrestle and if you want to leave a five star review I love to get some feedback for uh love getting feedback for the podcast uh tell me what I need to do better or what I what what you like about the show anything is quite helpful but 
for the Stranger Rings pod. I'm Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund from Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show saying so long and thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>